I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. I am so excited to be sharing a conversation I had on Instagram Live with Sabrina Barber. Sabrina is an international board certified lactation consultant, and we had a conversation about setting yourself up for a successful breastfeeding journey, whatever success means to you. Sabrina is a lactation consultant. She's an expert. She is the lactation consultant inside the Sterling Parents membership. She helps prepare our members for breastfeeding and helps support them when they are going through a breastfeeding journey. And we love her. Our members just love her. And so I'm really excited to share some of her tips and her wisdom about how you can set yourself up for that breastfeeding success in pregnancy. All right, take a listen. Let me introduce, this is Sabrina Barber, who she's an international board certified lactation consultant. You are part of the, the Sterling Parents team. You help support our members um, in pregnancy as they learn, you know, learning about breastfeeding and then after when they're, when they're in it and trying mm. to figure it out. So you come into our community and do live Q and A's with our members and our members, y'all love Sabrina. And I'll tell you why I'm so excited to, to share her with all of you and to talk with her. You know, sometimes the, the breastfeeding support that we get can be, um, it can veer into judgmental and shame, you know? So we can sometimes talk anybody in the breastfeeding world and you have to be really careful not to do this because sometimes we can talk about the benefits of breastfeeding, which then leaves people who are struggling with breastfeeding feeling like I'm not doing the best thing for my baby. And so what I really love that you always do is seeing a breastfeeding journey and a parent and their child seeing the whole picture, right? It's not just, it's not just (laughs) breast milk. Breast milk is an important component, you know, for many of us, but it's not everything. It's not the end all be all of health. And we have to take different things into consideration. So I know we've talked, we've talked a number of times about ways to prepare for breastfeeding inside of our community. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, what is the perspective that you want people to have when they're pregnant, going into a breastfeeding journey? What is, what do you want the big picture them to keep in mind? The, the big picture that I would say is, well, backing up for just a second, like knowing what your your idea of breastfeeding is i think it's 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 really important to unpack that because just like you were saying about success like what does that mean for you does it mean i get to provide the milk does it mean i am feeding with my own body 
you know, what does that look like? And kind of preparing yourself to feed your baby. It sounds so simple, but I feel like we spend so much time on, you know, knowing like babies developmental milestones and sleep, you know, that's a huge talk in the baby realm. And we prepare for our birth. And we think that feeding our baby is going to come naturally, whether it's at the chest or bottle. And we don't really prepare for that part. And so when things get kind of rocky, which at some point they may, then we're like, I can't even feed my baby. And that is like the basic thing that I should be able to do, the, the most easiest thing I should be able to do as a parent. So really diving in deep, educating yourself on what feeding your baby may entail, and then um, having a helpline for when things get rocky, for sure. That's yeah. like the biggest yeah. picture. Get ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is that we think like, oh, I plan to breastfeed, right? That will, that will be I'm learning a little bit about breastfeeding and I plan to breastfeed. The thing that I think is more challenging and, and I, you know, you've done, you've had conversations inside Sterling parents about this, about that, that the emotional aspect of actually being a food source. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that is, that is like, you know, I remember when I was pregnant with my first and I was planning to breastfeed and, and I had some breastfeeding education. So I felt like, okay, I feel prepared for that. But there's something very different about <laughs> preparing to be a food source. Like I didn't realize what the emotional impact of like, oh no, you are now the food source. And right. I think that that's, I think that's why we sometimes like having these rigid, like, okay, I want to breastfeed for exclusively for six months. I think that, you know, that can be, having that as something that you're hoping to do. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I think that there's something about understanding that it's not just, okay, I'm going to breastfeed for six months, but it's like, I'm going to be a food source for six months. Right. Right. And I also, you know, there's this just intense biologic drive to feed our kids, right? Either whether you're breastfeeding or not, that, that drive exists. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my experience and, and knowing your story, I think, you know, you have experienced some, some similar feelings of that drive really, when you put that biologic drive to feed our children together with strict breastfeed, like I'm going to breastfeed this long, it can sometimes push you into some unhealthy choices. Yes. yes. And also the way our society is set up, but now we as women can do all the things we can be at home and work and do this and do that. And so just that initial early postpartum period is so dedicated to feeding your baby and keeping your baby alive, not being able to meet those expectations of I'm going to do it all, or my baby is going to fit into this schedule because I'm still going to go hiking with my family and I'm going to drop the cover and breastfeed wherever. And you, you're, you're stuck between this paradigm of I, I'm trying to fit in, like figure out where I fit in with this new role and still meet all of these expectations of society and what I had of my old life. I mean, completely, completely. And I think this is especially the case. I mean, really, it's the case with every pregnancy, right? Like if this is your first, if you're about to have your first child, then you have this idea like, okay, 
um, how am I going to keep my life more or less the same and fit fit baby into it? And how do I fit <laughs> like yeah. how do I fit feeding my baby into a right. life that already exists, right? Because no matter what people tell you, hearing like okay, just you're going to tear down your entire life. Just <laughs> you're just going to. You're gonna take a hammer and you're gonna knock that yeah. all down and then you're gonna rebuild. Like I don't care how many people tell you this, mm -hmm. that is a difficult thing to process. Right. And then when you if you already have kids, then it's like, well, I I have are already I have a full plate and I have responsibilities and now, you know, you may be potentially feeding two children at the same time even. I, I've never done that. You know, mm -hmm. our, my kids have always self-weaned um, before we got to that point, but plenty of people do. They're, they're feeding a toddler and a newborn at the same time. Let's first talk about, we're going to talk about like more nitty gritty prepping, like what you should have ready and everything. But talk to me about that emotional prep work, that what you tell people um, to be prepared for as they enter a, a feeding journey. Well, I, I always like to speak to my families, especially if I can get them in the prenatal space yeah. um, to figure out what your expectations are with, with feeding. Like what, what do I think my feeding journey is going to look like? Cool. And then also communicate that with your partner and your support system. Okay. Because when you are in the postpartum space and you're like, I want to feed my baby at the breast and you're struggling um, or just kind of learning how to get your groove, whoever is your support system has a huge impact on the outcome of your breastfeeding journey. Yeah. So, you know, your partner, if they're not educated uh, or on the same, in the same space as you may say, oh, just give formula or right. just, just do this without having that conversation beforehand um, can be, can be really tough. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it can go either way, right? Like, Certainly, I mean, if you are putting your heart and soul into breastfeeding and you have issues and somebody comes and this is what you want to do and somebody comes along and is like, just do formula. What's the big deal? Like that can be very minimizing, you know, whether it's your partner or whether it's even your provider, whether it be a pediatrician or an OBGYN or if your mom, whoever's helping you. Right. And I think that's helpful to communicate with the people in your life who are going to be supporting your journey and make it, you know, make it clear that this is what I'm going into this journey expecting to do. And you know, what I would say now versus what I would say with my first would be different and that can change. But I think mm -hmm. you're so right that it really can cause so much tension in relationships yeah. if either someone if I said my stated goal is like, I just want to be able to, and this is kind of, this is the way I approach feeding journeys now that I've gone through it a few times. I want to feed my children in a way that feel that feels like I'm honoring our bond and I'm doing, mm -hmm. I'm doing the best for them in the, in the big picture. So I don't, I, you right. know, I used to say like, I want to, with Celeste, I was like, I want to exclusively breastfeed for a year. And that was a really challenging, for me, that was a really challenging, there was a lot of pressure I put on myself. So now it's like, okay, I'm moving away from wh how I'm feeding to how I want the relationship between me right. and, and the child to be and the overall thing. And so that could, yeah. my goal is I want to have a feeding journey that is 
nurturing this bond I have with this child. And I have a partner who's like, you have to breastfeed. It's the best thing for your baby. And then that's, and I'm saying, well, at this point, like I'd use, like to use donor milk or I want to supplement with formula. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of there. That, that can be. Speaking from, uh, from my personal experience, the first time it was very similar. I was already in the lactation space. So yeah. I felt this immense pressure, right? To get it right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sets are very loosely. And, um, you know, we had so many feeding issues and we got to the point where we eventually had to supplement, but it took me a really long time to get there mentally. And so I, yeah. I experienced postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis from like the triple feeding. And it just was, it, it, it was rough and it was very difficult for my partner to watch me go through that. So having oh, yeah. that conversation, of course, came from an honest place on his part, but it was, I wasn't ready for that conversation. Yep. So going into my second, I said, honey, if you see me starting the spiral, right, you know what that looked like last time. If you see me starting the spiral, let's have that conversation and I'll be much more open to it to start, you know, supplementing earlier and whatever. So four months in, he tapped me on my shoulder, he's like, honey, doing it again i'm like all right let's get the formula and so then we yeah. combo fed and it turned out beautifully yeah. so just having that conversation beforehand really changed the trajectory of my totally. experience and the nice thing about having the conversation beforehand is you can make mistakes in that conversation and not be on the same page and and you have space to kind of have that conversation right again you don't have the post postpartum hormones you don't have the postpartum <laughs> hormones and you don't have a baby that's crying that needs to be fed right now so you can have a conversation and discover that your partner is like uh why don't we just formula feed from the get-go and you can be like that's not how i feel like let's talk this out and yeah and really come to a space where you've had the conversation and you've you've actually like kind of figured out how to talk to each other with respect Mm -hmm. about these these issues and so when you have the conversation again when you actually are postpartum and you have a baby that's that's there and needing to be fed it's not a brand new conversation right you can say remember how i said this last time well here's how i'm thinking things have changed you know so mm -hmm. i just think i think that that's really really incredible advice to not just have an idea of what you know what your goals or what your intentions are as you enter your breastfeeding journey, but understanding that this is, you aren't doing it alone. I mean, right. You really, right. it's one, there's the baby, which, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't control. So like, right. that's the thing is that, you know, when it came to, you have to, you can have all of the beautiful tensions and tensions and be incredibly educated, but you can't control what, issues your baby has with feeding and, and what happens. So I, I just think that that advice to, to have a conversation with the support people, and it can be helpful to have that conversation with whoever, you know, your providers. In addition, some providers are really gung ho for breastfeeding. And some providers are like, just switch to formula, being able to articulate this is what I want to hear, essentially. Like, <laughs> I, I am having some difficulty breastfeeding. I'm not ready to switch to formula. But 
You know, that's huge. I, I, that's it's huge, huge because truthfully as providers, like we don't always know what that, what that person is looking for from us. So w- right. you might think like t- saying it's okay to switch to formula is like the permission that that person really needed, but that might not, that be, might be the ac- exact opposite of what they wanted to hear. Right. Right. What right. they needed. And it's important to know these things now, which I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because when you are in that postpartum space and your voice is shaking, right? Because it's, it's such an intimidating time. Knowing where, where you stand to speak to your provider can be a difficult thing. Oh, you know, to say, um, that's not what I needed to hear, or I'm not ready for that. Or simply, can I have a referral for a lactation consultant? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, can you just show me where to get help? Or, yeah. you know, can you send me to somebody? And then take it from there if you don't feel comfortable speaking with your provider. They totally. should be referring you out anyway. So yeah. that, that should be a, a good place to begin. Okay, let's pause here because I want to share a free resource with you. If you are pregnant or trying to conceive, you probably want to make sure you're doing everything right. And of course you do. It's your baby and you care deeply. Problem is there's so much information and opinion about what you should and shouldn't do. And many find themselves overwhelmed trying to sort through all the information. Information overwhelm is real and adds a lot of unnecessary and unhealthy stress to your pregnancy. Is this sounding familiar to you? I know how important it is to you to get everything right in pregnancy. This is why I created a completely free class to help you reduce stress and optimize your wellness in pregnancy. It's called Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to reserve your free seat and be sure to show up to the live session because I'm sharing my beloved pregnancy sleep guide and we have a chance to enter our raffle. Don't miss this free class. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com. All right, lovelies, let's dive back into the episode. It's cool. Some pediatricians, there's not as, I feel like there are still OBGYNs. There's some OBGYNs who are also IBCLCs, but I feel like there's more and more pediatricians who are becoming IBCLCs, which is interesting. The fact that there's really no medical profession like there's no doctor who is the expert on breastfeeding it's this whole so there's right. breastfeeding medicine is a is a newer field and basically it's physicians who are then becoming IBCLCs because the issue is is that sometimes there are medical issues that tie into breastfeeding and then you're in this like this vortex <laughs> this vortex right like Sabrina you're like okay you need a prescription let's get a physician who can write a prescription on board, but it can, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's just another example of the patriarchy, right? Why, why is that? Like, Girl, believe you funny. me, believe you me, if men were doing the feeding, like there would be a medical specialty, like that For sure. really owned this, this right. uh, topic, but it's a collaboration now with IBCLCs and physicians a lot of the times when it overlaps with medical issues. So, We've talked about some of the emotional preparation, the relationship preparation, and you also mentioned support, making sure you know where to go when you have issues. How do people figure that out? What, are they, what do they do? 
Well, you sh- now with the age of social media, so many families are online. And this is where, you know, which is why Sterling Parents is here, yeah. Googling <laughs> epidemic, <laughs> right? So they go and they seek out that information. And it's important to make sure that they know, you know, who is behind the breastfeeding education online. You know, make sure that the blogs that you're reading aren't just mom blogs without any background in in lactation care, certification, credentials, whatever. Um, And really, I like analyze what you're reading. You know, is is this information evidence-based? Is it sound? Is it non-judgmental? Like, does it sound like this is somebody's opinion or does it sound like this could be something that could uh, benefit my family? So being very selective about the education that you consume and then um, seeing now that lactation care has moved a lot to telehealth, you can kind of find providers anywhere. So you can start with your insurance company and see, you know, who your insurance company um, covers or getting online and just typing in lactation consultant in my area. And yeah. most of us are, are all online. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the thing is that there was, you know, we, when, you know, when I started showing parents, I, I knew that I, I wanted a lactation consultant to be involved and the question, but it's not just any lactation consultant T- to me, it was really important to because I had I had personally had interactions with lactation consultants that like really left me wanting and had heard stories from so many patients and then and then members and, and followers about some of the things that, that were told to them feeding your baby formula is like feeding them glass. Like it's just like you know or fast food. I yeah. heard that. It's just, you know, like, and you, so you have to be like getting them a happy meal. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing is, is that like you, you do like there are, and it's the same thing with physicians and with, with um, birth doulas. It's the same thing with all people. Like the, the place, the person that you're getting your advice from, um, whether it's online or it's in person or it's, it's over Zoom, whatever it is. Under, making sure that your values fit with that person, you know? And um, that's why I was so excited to find you because you, I mean, you've actually been there, right? Like you didn't just have these easy breastfeeding journeys and you're like, just try harder. Like you understand right. us. You understand the feeds. <laughs> you understand the the, the triple feeds and the yeah. and the the challenges, right? And so you know that like sometimes, um, uh, try harder is not is not a yeah. a valid Absolutely. piece of advice. And I'm I'm a huge proponent of shopping around for a lactation consultant, especially when you're in the prenatal space and you have that time to do it, follow accounts. Like not every, like you said, not every lactation consultant is, you know, made the same, but we all have things that we specialize in as well. So not every lactation consultant is trained in tongue ties or tethered oral tissue. That's not something in basic lactation school. Like what, what we do is, we find our niche and it's usually something that's personally driven, <laughs> like all of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and then um, seeing what they specialize in. So there are some lactation consultants that their thing really is for um, like blended families or non-binary families and right. inducing lactation and things that, yes, we all should be educated on, but really like niche down. There's, I mean, there really out. is so many issues in breastfeeding. It's a, it makes complete sense that not every IBCLC has the exact same right passion and drive to learn about one topic right right yeah. exactly so yeah. find finding that ahead of time and interview them ask them like the same way that you would put in that effort in finding your delivery provider and your pediatrician should be the same way that you're going to find someone that you will trust in that postpartum space to feed like your most precious being yeah. <laughs> that you have. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal advice. That's, you know, so what I hear you saying is, you know, check your sources, like find, um, find a good source of breastfeeding information because they're truthfully, sometimes you have to like be looking things up at 3am, you know, and you, there's not a person, like a lactation consultant that is available right then and there. So finding, your breastfeeding sources, um, finding a lactation consultant that you that you vibe with and who shares like your values. I think especially if you've had a challenging breastfeeding journey in the past, in whatever way that it was challenging, when you interview a lactation consultant, I would, you know, saying, this is, you know, th these are the issues that I had last time. Is this something that you work with or you see a lot? Right. And, you yeah. know, I get those DMs all the time. And I am so impressed by families that that come to me like, hey, I, um, I induced lactation at, at this point to feed my adopted child. Like, what are your, what are your protocols for that with subsequent babies? And I'm like, yeah. dang, girl. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so just having that conversation and preparing ahead of time, I'm see, I'm starting to see that a lot more, and I'm very impressed. Very yeah, much. yeah. And I know you recently talked um, inside um, the community, our Sterling Parents community, about tongue ties. Which, by the way, I have received so many messages about. I don't, I don't know if if Claire got a chance to tell you, but we've been getting so many messages about that video, that recording. I got a message, I had to send it to you the other day. We had a member who said, I watched the, the All About Tongue Ties video and it gave me the, like, the knowledge to advocate with my provider to get yes. tongue tie, a tongue tie corrected. So, That's awesome. <laughs> phenomenal Yay. stuff. But talk to me, you know, this is something that a lot of people are, I mean, I feel like we're hearing about tongue ties all of the time. And um, what, what do you need to know about tongue ties when you're pregnant and you're, you know, you're, okay. move, you're moving into that? Yeah. So first of all, just knowing that tongue ties are a thing. Um, there are many providers. There's a huge, um, it's like, there's a large divide where some providers say, you know, it's, it's bad, it's not real. And then others that are saying, yes, evidence is coming out. We're doing research on it. It can affect feeding and overall growth and development of baby. So just first of off, knowing that it is a, it's an anatomical issue that can affect feeding among other things. And then um, knowing that, knowing like what to look for in terms of baby's latch, like what's normal versus not normal with feeding, okay. what it feels like, and then knowing when to reach out 
for help. That's kind of the beginning portion of it, just knowing what feeding is supposed to look like and feel like, and if there's any deviation, going to someone for help. You want to so like would you suggest when people are picking a pediatrician, just pop, like having asking them, like, what do you think about tongue ties? You'll make me start a riot. <laughs> but yes, I think that is a wonderful idea. I do. Okay. Um, just because they, if, especially if you have a family member that has a lisp or that has had a stutter in the past or um, that has had, if, you know, grandma says, oh, I was never able to breastfeed your mom or I was never able to breastfeed Uncle Steve or something like that. Like all of these little kind of red flags about breastfeeding issues or oral issues, speech issues, um, that there is a genetic tie to it. So um, just kind of having that in the back of your mind and asking your provider, how do you, what is your stance on tongue ties? And yeah, see what they yeah, I mean, I'm curious, because, you know, obviously, most of the pediatricians that I know, are like, our generation, they're, you know, we went to medical school together, or we knew each other from residency. And when I've reached out to them about like, oh, you know, <laughs> here's a picture of my child's mouth, like, you know, with Celeste, I was like, maybe it's a tongue tie, because we had we had issues with latch and painful latch and all of that. And um, I've only I've only encountered pediatricians personally that were very, like, educated about tongue ties and and like not dismissive of it. Do you mm-hmm. see that there's like a generation, it's like a generational gap where, you know, yes, there's definitely a generational gap and a geographical gap. Oh, so okay. those that are located, like providers that are located in more, um, uh, like more urbanized areas, high, you know, um, more higher cities, greater yeah. population, population density. Like that. Yes, exactly. Um, they are more privy to know about tongue ties and know about and have providers that are in that location. Whereas if you okay. go into like a backcountry area, they they may not be as educated on it because they may, may not see it as frequently yeah. or whatever the issue is. So well, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's you definitely can, a generational can... gap too. Yeah, I mean, you providers are human beings. So like, you can imagine a provider who's like been doing pediatrics and in like, for 20 years or whatever, and suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, every, you know, t- the, you know, tongue ties are this thing now. I mean, yeah, I can, I can see someone being like, what is this? Like, right. I've been doing this for X number of years, and it hasn't been an issue. But I also think that women weren't really sharing, like we weren't really sharing the challenges, right? Like if breastfeeding hurt, like my mom's generation or my grandmother's generation. They would just stop. They they, would just stop and switch to formula. It didn't work. Your baby brother never wanted to latch or your baby brother bit me. So we stopped. And that's kind of where the buck stopped. There wasn't like, why isn't this working like a big so push for for promoting breastfeeding now families are like this isn't supposed to be this way and if we're supposed to breastfeed for six months to a year something has to be fixed something has to change yeah so that I mean, that's huge. exactly you know so i think i mean i hate to pull that out as i certainly just 
I personally haven't encountered a lot of pushback to to this tongue tie situation, but I have certainly I've seen the posts on social media. Like I've I've seen the the fact that a lot of IBCLCs and a lot of you know pediatricians are pushing back back against the narrative from some other people in the yeah. community. They're saying tongue ties are made up and it's just right. fad and all of that. So I'm like, where is this? You know, where is this coming from? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, um, in in medicine, that's just the reality is that like things evolve. And if you are not up with it, like if I just stopped learning at medical school, at residency, I currently would be behind. If I was not updating, if I was still operating, not just with the same medical knowledge, but the same perspective of, right. you know, for example, size and, and weight in pregnancy and BMI in pregnancy, if I was still mm -hmm. operating with the same perspective that I had when I was in medical school or residency before I started educating myself about, you know, the ways to have a healthy pregnancy at, at every size, I would, I too would be behind. That's just the, right. that's just the reality. Recently, I've had, um, I've had a few families that they are in more rural areas like the Midwest yeah. and um, working with them virtually, trying to kind of pair them with a good support team where they are. That's part of what I do virtually speaking. Like if they need yeah. speech therapy or something, trying to connect them to their resources. Well, I recently had a family that said, we've tried everything out here. We've exhausted everything. I want to come see you for a week. Who is your team that you work with there? So now we're having Damn. families that are, and plus we're in Orlando. So it's kind of like a win-win situation. <laughs> Totally. Listen, we're going to go to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> With your two month old. Right. <laughs> but um, so that's what families are doing. They're like, they're really just kind of picking up. And I know a lot of it has to do with resources and, you know, yeah. breaking down those barriers. But um, they're really saying my, my baby needs more. We need help. Like feeding my baby shouldn't be this hard, even if yeah. it's with a bottle. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, they're starting to travel. So that's exciting. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's a, that's a beautiful thing about social media and about even, you know, we've we've really learned, I think, um, how to connect virtually through the pandemic. We had to, you know, and so many more people are offering services virtually that, that you know, before we're just a brick and mortar and you had to be in in the same place. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about where people can find you. So obviously you, you are inside Sterling Parents every month helping our members, but you also do one-on-one -on -one, uh, consultations and help support people one-on-one. -on -one. So where can people find more about your services? So you can find me over on here on Instagram over at motherly love lact underscore lactation and motherlylovelactation.com. I do virtual visits worldwide anywhere in the world. This week I had Saudi Arabia and Germany. So that was exciting. That's so um, cool. <laughs> so talk about like cultural differences. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. Um, but also I do one-on-one -on -one visits here in the Orlando area and I offer online like workshops specifically um, for pumping. And then I'm doing a prenatal package. I'm, I'm revamping it because before it was just one-on-one -on -one prenatal, but yeah. I'm trying to get PDF. We're doing a PDF pronounce and then a video series from everything, what to expect during pregnancy through two weeks, and then a 30 minute one-on-one -on -one with me to ask whatever you need. Amazing. So, 
So that's, that's going to come out like Cyber Weekend, right? Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So listen out for that. But if cool. you're already in Sterling Parents, you get it anyway. So Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you have to send me the link for that stuff and I'll share it on my Instagram. That's great. That's such an amazing resource for people. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing all of your wisdom. I just, I love chatting with you and you are just such a wealth of not just knowledge, but wisdom about feeding. And I think that sometimes, sometimes that's really, you know, that's really what you need. And I love how you just, you, you meet people where they are and, um, our members love you. I love you. So thank you thank for joining you. me today. Thank you for having me. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are serious about optimizing the wellness of your pregnancy, then you definitely need to get your hands on my free guide, Self-Care Rituals for Pregnancy. This guide is filled with my favorite stress busters and wellness boosters for pregnancy. And along with the guide, I'm going to send you a short email series with my favorite tips for optimizing your pregnancy wellness. To get your hands on this free guide, head over to the Sterling Life dot com slash pregnancy self care. All right, lovelies until next time.